Hey guys, it's Alec, writer and voice actor of Elias Short, here to remind you to check the trigger warnings of today's episode. Have a safe listen. Mythale presents Circe's. Episode 3, In the Night. <clears throat> Today I'll take a look at case file 2125734-2122, regarding the disappearance of Kayla Thompson from her room here at Sunshine Valley, yesterday at an unknown hour. Statement taken from Kayla's own notes found in her room the morning of her disappearance. This session is recorded on the 13th of September, 2022, by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Have you ever had that dream, where you wake up in your own bed, and somewhere deep within, you're certain you've woken up? You can't really tell why, but you have this certain need to get out of bed. Maybe your throat feels uncomfortably dry, or your head had made up a scenario where you had to go to the bathroom. But nonetheless, you decide to get out of bed. Draping your legs from the side, you let your body linger, as many do before getting up, stopping to gather strength. However, as you linger a tad too long, a hand grabs you tightly around your ankle, fingers long and unfriendly. Normally, you wake up quite startled after a dream like that. I can't blame you. So would I. Since I was a kid, I've had this fear as well of someone grabbing me within the safety of my own room. When I lay in bed at night, I can't for the life of me dripped off if my blanket isn't neatly placed around my head like a cocoon. No limbs are allowed outside the warm embrace of my duvet. I think many find comfort in their duvet, despite it being nothing but a piece of fabric. Yet, at the age of 25, I tuck myself in at night, holding the duvet close against my body to imitate the need for safety. I feel stupid looking back at myself now, but also oddly nostalgic. I miss the days when I thought my duvet would keep me safe from what lurks in the night. How foolish I was. I'm getting ahead of myself. If you read this, I might have been either taken or I'm already dead. Both options scare me so awfully much. This all began about a month ago. I kept a log of it after it had first occurred. It had been a rather gloomy day, not only the weather, but also the atmosphere within Sunshine Valley. I have been stuck here for as long as I remember. Some days I wonder if I've ever seen the outside of this place, or if I was simply bound here at birth, destined to stroll the corridors with their fading yellow walls and cold lights. I might always have been a pessimist, but there was something about that night that had left me more uneasy by the time the night had fallen outside. The nights just never felt real inside the Institute. Nonetheless, I tucked my legs neatly inside my newly washed sheets, letting my whole body slip inside the comfort it offered. I always felt safe when my legs were neatly burritoed inside. A lie I think you've heard most adults utter is that they no longer fear the dark. 
which I can confidently tell you is not true. It's a primal fear we are born with. For when you can't see, there is no certainty that no one is waiting for you out there, lurking. Therefore, I can tell you with no shame that even as a young adult, I have never been fond of the dark. Sure, I was a bit of a night owl in my teenage years, but even back then, I would have my curtains shut and a light piercing through the imposing darkness. That night, I had turned on my dim night light, which had calmed my mind enough to allow me to finally shut my eyes, inviting sleep to pull me into peaceful dreams. I felt my body almost melt into the mattress, my mind slowly starting to turn into a gooey blur. As my body was zoning off, that's when I felt it. Two slender hands wrapping tightly around my feet. I was paralyzed in fear, unable to look down on my feet. I was afraid of what I would find looking up at me. I laid perfectly still, trying every method I knew to calm myself. A part of me wanted to believe it was all inside my head, like some messed up dream meant to keep me on my guard. A shiver led to a certain clarity. Despite the fear buried in my gut and my heart pounding so loudly, I am surprised the doctors didn't hear it. I slightly peeked beneath the covers, letting my eyes adjust to the darkness, expecting to see those slender hands with their tight grip on my feet. But there was no such thing. In fact, I couldn't see anything holding on to me at all. I broke down crying. A part of me wished that there had been those unnatural hands around them. That would give an excuse that had nothing to do with my own sanity. But here I was, staring down at my perfectly normal feet. I didn't manage to get a second of sleep that night. For every time I was almost slipping off into a state of not-yet-slumber, the hands would tighten around my feet, making me jolt in surprise. I can assure you I spoke to my doctor. She seemed worried, which could be expected from someone in charge of my mental health. It didn't take more than a few hours to assign me a new form of medication. I had planned a meeting with her the next day after I'd hopefully managed to get a full night's sleep. Once again, I found myself in that room, that looming darkness beyond the beam from my nightlight. I feared that whatever had been there the night before would once again be lurking underneath my covers of safety. I always saw my duvet as an anchor. Almost like an innocent child will curl up against their parents. It's a mindset which sends your brain into a false sense of security. My eyes felt even heavier than they had the night before. It seemed that my age had slightly caught up to me. I can no longer stay up for more than 24 hours without becoming a wreck. I suppose a lot of people secretly have the same problem. I knew I needed rest, and no matter how much I tried to keep my eyes on the darkness before me, it all slipped away behind my fluttering eyelids. My body fell softly into sleep, slipping into the bliss I had been craving for more than 48 hours. A scream tore at my throat. I barely managed to keep it back, only a squeal slipping past my tightly pressed lips as those horrendous hands tightly grabbed on my feet. I almost felt the tug, dragging me slightly towards the edge of the bed. Quiet was all that followed. A silence as thick as the air around me. I spent hours thinking about the hands, which were never visible, yet very much there, in the most impossible way. I did shortly wonder if I might have lost part of myself. 
wondering what might have brought this upon me. I can't recall anything within the last few days that could explain my sudden tactile hallucinations. It scared me terribly that I might have forgot to think something so horrifying could have happened to me, and I'd never know. Yet, no matter how hard I tried, it seems I couldn't find a time of the day where I had no memory of what had happened, and I assured myself that my doctor would have told me were there a chance a new symptom could develop. They have my best interest in mind, right? I managed less than an hour of sleep on that second day. I slipped away shortly as my body gave way to my tired state. Despite the nails that duck into the skin atop my foot, sleep still took me. Yet as the sun shone through the barred windows, I was left even more distraught than the night before. My body swayed uncomfortably whenever I tried to steady myself. I did my best to keep myself awake, drinking a sickly amount of coffee, which ended up getting the attention of the caretakers in my unit, and before I knew it, I was back in the doctor's office once again. She wasn't too worried, simply nodded her head at my frenzied explanation. The hours passed by slowly, and once again by bedtime, I was handed a new prescription and told not to question what I was given. At this point, I had been awake for almost 72 hours straight. I simply didn't have it in me to protest. My body felt heavy and numb. My hallucinations had started to appear a few hours before bed, which made me feel uneasy even before I had made my way under my covers. I don't even think I have to explain to you what happened as I laid back in the attempt to ease my mind with a peaceful slumber. Those hands. Except today, the fingers softly caressed against my ankles. How do you describe the kind of panic when your brain feels like it might explode any minute now and all I remember was my eye's pitiful attempt at crying. I think I was aware of how unlikely I would be to make it. If I didn't fall asleep, the hands would call up my legs, up my body, squeeze or take until there was nothing left. The only memory I have of that night is the hands and their haunting movements against the soft skin on my ankles. I don't know when I managed to fall asleep. Everything was a blur for a few days, maybe weeks. I can't remember, and it terrifies me. I know it's only normal to forget minor details throughout a day, but forgetting full days, nothing sticking at all, like tape on water. That's a stupid metaphor. I barely remember who I am at this point. The only reason I can give you any form of information at all is from what's written in my notebooks. They're in my drawer. Feel free to try to understand them. I can't seem to. I wonder how long has actually passed. I have so many notes scattered across my floor. Piles. Mounts. It's all a mess. I know I was okay. I know I had some days, or was it weeks? It might have been. I'm rather uncertain. There were some notes about restful nights, but... They all contain the hands. I wish I had the ability to cry. I really do. And it's a wonder that I'm still coherent. I suppose that after a while you start to forget that you really do need rest. It's still knacking me deeply that I can't seem to rest, but 
what I can read, there was a small period of time where I did manage to regain the control of my sleeping pattern. If only for a few days. This is all I could find. It seems he added a note with the original statement, which seems to have been written a week ago, which would suggest that Miss Thompson has been kept awake for more than 168 hours. The statement follows. I had forgotten how fulfilling it was to lay your head down on your pillow at night and actually drift off to sleep. It feels almost euphoric when you've been kept awake for days without end. The dreadful hands haven't left me alone, that is for certain. But after a while, you can get used to most things. It managed to taunt me for what I was told was five days before my body had given all it could, and I found my rest upon the cold institute floors. My doctors were rather worried when I finally woke up, 14 hours later, with a mild concussion and a sprained wrist. I had confessed everything to her as she sat by me, explaining the new happenings within the late hours of my day. She asked me what I really feared the hands could do to me. If it was all tactile hallucinations, maybe I could somehow convince myself that it wasn't a threat to me, just a trick of my mind to give me a spook. I know that's easier said than done, as when we humans face danger, we tend to go into fight or flight. I just had to make up a third option. Ignore. When night approached again, I did as I usually would before bedtime, preparing myself for sleep. I had decided that I would get my rest no matter what that dreadful thing had in store for me. I didn't scream or make a single movement as the cold, slightly damp and slimy breath exhaled against the inside of my knee. Instead, I took a deep breath and forced my eyes shut. I wouldn't allow it that satisfaction. Even as the hands tried to tighten against my skin, I didn't open my eyes. I cannot explain to you the feeling I had as I awoke the next morning. The birds chirping seemed like my victory song, a choir just for me. I had defeated the beast inside me. It felt as if nothing could touch me now. People around me quickly noticed a newfound calmness in me as the nights progressed, and I finally managed to sleep despite the hands which unfortunately hadn't left. Even on the second night, I held back the victorious laughter that crept up my throat. I was not going to let it pester me a second longer. Even as the palms felt tighter against my skin, I held my eyes closed and drifted off to sleep. I felt fulfilled. Truly, I had won. And as I awoke to sun dancing against my pale skin, I never felt more alive. With my heart racing inside my chest, I almost sprung out of bed, laughter and joy escaping my mouth in a cascade of victorious pride. I awoke like that for a whole week, the joy growing ever so slightly with each restful moment I managed to grasp within those late hours. The hands, which tried to dig their claws desperately into my skin, didn't threaten me anymore, and I felt free. Alive, even. I, for a short moment, had hoped for a return to a life outside the hospital walls. Not that I particularly remember what that life must have been like. It's all just a hazy blur to me. I don't know if it's because I'm mentally ill or simply because my life changed so drastically at such a young age, but that's hardly the point. I'm writing this today because I never did manage to make my way out there. It's cruel how life lets you dream of a better future, just to snatch it away right before your eyes as you can taste the honeyed sweetness of freedom on your tongue. 
Tonight, as I was brushing my teeth, I caught my reflection in the body-length mirror, which was hung on the wall outside my bathroom. My blood turned to ice as my eyes fell upon the purple bruises and scars down my ankles and feet. I traced my fingers over the marks and felt almost sick. What was it I feared about the hands, I had to ask myself. And this was it, the proof which sealed my faith. Dragged down by the feet into this hellhole, I thought I had escaped. I feared proof, any kind of solid evidence that it couldn't have just been in my head. Something is beneath my covers at night, and it knows I can see its effect now. I was awake all night again, the nails sticking into my skin like knives, tearing through it and ripping it into ribbons. I am so scared. That was the statement written by Kayla Thompson that had been stapled to the back of the notes she left behind. It seems intended to be read before we conclude the rest of the first mentioned statement, so I'll continue where we left off. I can't remember when I wrote all that. I have no clue who Kayla Thompson is, but I can only assume that it's me. I bet you wonder why I'm even bothering at this moment. I can feel the hands dragging me down. The scars are opening, the knives like fingernails carving into skin and bone, leaving barely anything for me. It takes and it takes as it cuts and tears, eating my screams and cries before they leave my lips, devouring my fear and flesh in one. I have a slip on my door which tells me I will have them amputated tomorrow, but I won't be alive to see the sun again. This is all I can be sure of. I can't feel my legs anymore but I can see the blood staining the right sheet and what's left of my dying legs, the rotting flesh hanging off my bones. I can't see the hands. I can never see those hands. I hope death will finally allow me to rest. I'm so tired. I I think I'm going to throw up. The last note had to be deciphered by one of our senior doctors with an expertise in this field. The note had been written in blood. Kayla's own blood. She had torn out one of her fingernails to write it. I've never seen a case like this, especially since no one has been able to find a body nor any footage that shows Kayla leaving her bedroom. There are no signs of foul play. I have no idea how to analyze this case, nor do I really want to. All evidence, or lack thereof, will be given to the police, who will try to find out what really happened to Miss Thompson. Any update will be added to the case file in future. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bautna as Elias Emanuel Short. Audio edited by Els Sari and Henry Johannesson. Manuscript edited by Talia Heulun and Rita Bauna, and written by Alexander F. Bauna. 